Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. I'm Shiloh. And I'm Gabe. And this week, we're going to episode 49, our second part of our Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount review. Alright, before we jump into this, uh, it's going to be a nice episode. Don't know how long it's going to be. Probably long because Shiloh and I like to talk. But, a couple things before we get into it. Uh... We have a couple things that are going to be happening on our Discord. We've got some plans there. Oh, yeah. By the time this is out, they're already going to be up and running. We have a lot of things coming up for the podcast. I want to make sure that you guys are plugged in on our social media. We have our Instagram at d20 underscore academy. You can message us there. Get into our Discord. We're going to be doing a ton of new things. And I'm really excited about all of those. Yeah. A lot of things in the work. Anything else before we start? This? Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, um, so like if you don't have access to Instagram or something, you can comment on the uh, video there. Where right now we're just re-uploading all of our podcast episodes onto there. Then we have uh, some cool stuff that we're gonna start releasing on there: uh, YouTube videos and things that we're thinking of. Uh, YouTube maybe. exclusives. YouTube exclusives, which are gonna be like shorter, sweeter little little uh, tips and things like that, um, as opposed to these long podcast episodes. Um, but yeah, as we mentioned, this is part two of our Wild Mount review. Go listen to the first part. It's a good time, uh, but this one's gonna be also be a uh, really good time, and I'm really excited for it. Anything else? Uh, let's get into it. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> we have our respective teas. Mm-hmm. Mine is still boiling hot, so. Mm, chill for a second there. Yeah, I got mint. Mm-hmm. Mint medley, it's called. Mint medley. Alright, guys, we're on chapter four. Character race. options. Just character options. Just, just character not just race, not all about race. Um, I'm just Welcome to the race hour. <laughs> we're going to be talking about race. Oh, man. Um, You know in VHS when he's like, rank... Your favorite races. And she's like, what? Don't worry, no one will judge you. Well, I'm white, so I guess white, and I like Indian food. So I guess we meant World, World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, that's why I think Pathfinder made it called Ancestries. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, so, which, so, yeah, so this, this kicks off uh, with races. Then we're going to go into, like, subclasses and magic and stuff. I love this chapter. This is a fun chapter. It's pretty cool. We love talking about, like, classes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you know from our, um, on our third counter reviews and our class spotlights. <laughs> um, so we definitely have a lot to talk about here. Mm-hmm. We have all the races. All the races. Don't wait here. Um, other than orc. No, we have orc. Look. It's not, not listed as in, like, the other races. No, no, the monstrous races are in here. Every single race ever officially released for D&D is in here. Okay, okay. So all the yeah. ones from uh, the, uh, Volo's Guide. Volo's. Yeah. So, like, bugbears, all in here. Everything. Oh. Right? That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um. Oh, wait, no, maybe orcs are not in here. Nope, See? they are in here. Nope. Yeah, they are. Orcs and half-orcs. There's a section on orcs and half-orcs. Anywho... Hey guys, so they have. <laughs> We're two yeah. seconds in, I'm already losing my mind. By the way, by the way, there's every single race ever officially published thus far, I think. 
other than the ones published in other campaign settings like Eberron and stuff, because there might like Warforged or whatever Warforged, is not in yeah. here. Um, but other than that, basically every race is in here, which is awesome. Yeah, um, it's this is cool. a one-stop shop for all your racial needs. This is getting really weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the word say race is just gonna. <laughs> yeah, race is a loaded word. Um. Anyway, so there's, you know, Arakokra and Fearbulgs and Asimar and all that stuff and Bolo's Guide. It's mm -hmm. also the monstrous races. Plus some new sub races. Plus. Ooh. Maybe that's it. Oh, plus he just, uh, uh, it's just a description of how every single race fits into the world. Yeah, that's the part that I love about this yeah, section here and on races. This is getting, this is bad, we gotta move on soon. Uh, is that they have a lot of information on, like, let's take, like, dwarves, for example. You say, like, okay, dwarves in the Dundalian Empire. Like, this is what their life is like, you know, this is what they typically do. Their trade, their jobs, their culture, you know, like, oh, it's about beer. Nice. No, but like, it breaks down how dwarves, elves, furbolgs, things like that work in each region of the world. Well, not yeah. each geographic right, region. Right, right. So just the Dalian Empire, Menagerie Coast, Jorhas. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a note on every single race. I just also realized... I don't believe there is a um, Triton. True. There's no Triton in here. I'm so sorry. Who likes I wanted to play a fish boy. Guys, I'm so sorry. Um, we're not going to go over all of these races. Maybe some of them you haven't heard before, like the Kenku and all that kind of stuff. But you can find those stats or whatever somewhere else. The only ones, though, we are going to talk about are the new ones. Because there's a couple new like sub-races and stuff that uh, that's in here. Mm -hmm. So the first one is the Elf. The new sea elf, elf? sub-races. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, so the Hell sea elf. Dude, I feel true. like the sea elf is came from another book. It seems like it would. I, I feel like know. I've seen it before somewhere. Is it in Volo's Guide? I don't know where it's from, you guys. But I feel like... I I, I know I know the sea elf. I've seen it somewhere. Um, and there's the triton. The sea elf comes from something. I know it. I know I've seen it in a book before. I don't know. Okay. I don't know where it is. <laughs> I don't know what book it's from, but... Um, yeah, so let's go over the seal real quick. They're just... Uh, they live on the Menagerie Coast and stuff, I assume. So what do they got? Uh, constitution score increase by one. Sea Elf training. You're fishing with a spear, trident, light crossbow, and net. Hmm. That's Gotta sick. love the net. The net. The best weapon mm -hmm. on the table. Um, you also have a swimming speed of 30 feet. You can breathe air and water. Awesome. And you talk to fish, like Aquaman. In that great movie, what's it called? Justice League. You know that great movie? I was gonna say Aquaman. There's an Aquaman movie? Yeah. Oh my gosh, there is an Aquaman. Yeah, no, no, there is, of course. <laughs> But no, but in the in Justice League, it's like, do you talk to fish or something? I don't fucking know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then also you can s write in Aquin or whatever, which is like the elemental language of water that never comes up ever in your game. What do you do? Just like pour like, water on a page, like a certain design? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, one ability is Friend of the Sea. Using gestures and sounds, you can communicate simple ideas with any beast that has an innate swimming, swimming speed. speed. That's cool. 
Um, I like CLF training. I like getting proficiency with the Spirit Trident, Light Crossbow, and Net. Those aren't the best weapons, but, like, those are cool C weapons. Yeah. Okay, I wish Trident was also, like, a, like, like a martial version. Because I want to use a Trident, but yeah. they suck so much. That's the thing with, like, a lot of weapons, you know? Like, I want to use a whip, but they suck. <laughs> it's because whips suck. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know about that one, buddy. Um, but, like, in the campaign we're playing, I, I want to use a spear because, like, I'm a, like, I'm, like, a Greek soldier character. who They use spears and shields. That's what mm -hmm. they use. But spears are, like, little simple weapons that are kind of trash. They don't even have reach. I thought they had reach this whole time. They don't even have reach. Um, so, yeah. There, I feel like there needs to be, like, some martial versions. Which, that contrasts, like, actual military history where spears were... Way more used than swords. Yeah, and, like, the re the reach on spears, like, the point of yeah. spears and everything. Anyway, you guys. But, like, because there are simple spears, but also, like, a martial spear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway. That's the sea elf. Considering we get, like, ten billion swords and three and a half trillion axes, I feel like, you know, maybe we can afford two spears. Yeah. Um, the con, the con bonus uh, makes it, like, really versatile. I like that. So, I guess if a sea elf, what, you have dex plus two, con plus one. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. That's pretty. That, yeah, that's fine. nice and safe and good. Uh, good fighter. That's that's some good fighter stats right there. Mm, good deck <laughs> fighter. Okay, now the cooler uh, elf subreddit. Powered elf. The powered elves are mystical, insightful people with skin as pale as the surface of Xandria's largest moon. All right, there's two moons. They emerged from the powered grove this century, and wandered the world with childlike curiosity. <clears throat> yeah, so they're like elves. That used to live in this, uh, if I remember correctly, this forest that was, like, enchanted and, like, no one could go in there. And they just, like, lived peacefully for a long time. And then recently something happened to the forest, so they've come out. Um, and they're like, whoa, the world is so different. I didn't know it was like this. Because the last time they were out was, like, 100 years ago or something. Anyway, Wiz score increases by one. Advantage on intelligence, investigation checks, and wisdom insight checks. That's pretty cool. That's I like that. That's, yeah. That's cool. I didn't realize it was an advantage. Like, yeah. I thought it was just like proficiency. Yeah. Advantage. That's dope. And blessing of the moon weaver. You know, the light cantrip, and then once you reach third level, you can access the sleep spell, which you can cast like once a day. Yep. Using this trait. Then at fifth level, you gain access to invisibility, which you can only target yourself with. And same thing, you only use it like once per day. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it doesn't require material components. Sure. So basically, it's just like a once a day at will spell, you know. It's like the drow. They have a, uh, they have the same kind of concept, where you have like the light. No, you don't have light cantrip. You have something, and then you at third level you get like fairy fire or darkness or something like that. Or um, drow also have a little ability that gives them like a couple spells you can cast mm -hmm. once per day or whatever. Um, so did the uh, the version of Asmar that I used. Yes. Which was not official and yeah. in anyway. Um, oh. Yeah, so this is cool. This, yay. Wisdom. More Whoa. rangers. I love elf rangers, don't you? Dex, whiz, increase. You want more excuses for elf rangers? Um, I mean, it's fine. Because, like, there's only six ability scores. No. Because <laughs> the wood elf is wisdom. The high elf is intelligence. The drow is charisma. This sea elf is constitution. You know? Mm -hmm. It's like, what are you going to give him? Strength? I mean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, wisdom makes sense. They're like moon elves or whatever. Oh, I just want some like buff elves, you know? Like, give me a buff elf I want elf some buff elves race. too, yeah. 
were like, you know, like I said, like normal elves extending their long lives, being like, oh, and pursuing knowledge and enlightenment, blah, blah, blah. There's these other elves like, yeah, we're going to use it to get jacked. <laughs> we're going to use this time to get so unbelievably jacked. Uh, okay. This is great. Next, halfling. Oh, there's a halfling subrace. The Lotus Den. Long tied to the natural heart of the Lotus Den Greenwood, which is a forest, these halflings have adapted to live synergistically with the chaotic laws of the wilds. Quite the introduction. I know. I really like this one. Alright. With score increase. I love that so much. Child of the Wood. You know, the Druidcraft cantrip. Cool. I, I love all the little cantrips. You can do tiny little things with, like... Thaumaturgy and press... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Druidcraft is one of those. And you're like, yeah. oh, I craft this little flower. Yeah. Uh, when you reach third mistletoe. level... You can make mistletoe with Druidcraft. Cool, I just cool. thought of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Macaque, now you must kiss me. Sorry, I don't know where this voice came from. Yeah, it's I don't know what's a little going bit, on. Uh, anyway, then at the third level, you get an entangle, and then fifth level, you gain spike growth, which I feel like I've never seen used in the game, ever. <laughs> and once again, this is like the elf subways we just talked about. Yeah. Cast these all once per day, except for the druidcraft cantrip, obviously. You can only cast your cantrip once per day, which is so sad. Uh, then timber walk. Ability checks made to track you have disadvantage, and if you move across difficult terrain made out of like non-magical plants and undergrowth without spending extra movement. Great. Um, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. The thing, like, you can't get too crazy with sub races. I feel like. Um, but these are very safe, all of these. Um, I love the whiz increase. That's my favorite part. Because halflings only had the charisma, well, the plus two of dex, right? But then a charisma bonus or a constitution bonus. And, like, I want to play a halfling cleric or a halfling druid. Mm. You know? Yeah. Like a halfling ranger. Uh, or halfling monk. And the whiz increase makes halflings now move into that range. Um, which is nice. I, I, mm-hmm. I like I like the whiz increase. That's my favorite right. part about that. Quick little aside here. I'm of the opinion that I don't really care what the racial, what it says to give races to increase. If a guy I'm DMing, I don't really care what it says. Like, if it doesn't, like, fit what you're going for class-wise, but you really want to play this race, I'm not going to stop you, and I'm not going to make you have, like, a, a horrible, like, character strength-wise, you know, like, Oh, I don't want you to gimp yourself just for, for, for this cool idea. I think you should go for the cool idea and have a strong character. So, I just give them the increases that are befitting yeah. of the class. I don't. I know, but it's fine. <laughs> You're like, I know, I wanted to play a total rogue this whole time. Um, anyway. But yeah, no, that's like a thing, totally. Um, the ability score increases matter if you want them to matter. Yeah. Just like all things in D&D. You make it your own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dragonborn. There are Dragonborn variants. There's two Dragonborn mm-hmm. variants here. Um, basically, these uh, they have these abilities that uh, replace the ability score increase and the damage resistance traits of the Dragonborn in Player's Handbook. Otherwise, you take all other things for the for the Dragonborn class uh, race. Um, but the ability score increase and the damage resistance, you switch out for these. So basically, there's like two different types, and like the uh, difference is one has tails, one doesn't. One doesn't. That's and the only like difference. A, yeah, there's like a history there, <laughs> but like that doesn't really matter because you might be playing in a different world, or whatever. 
Wait, what? If you're just using these characters. Oh, if you're just options. using these. Yeah, yeah. For, oh, yeah, sure. Alright, so the first one is called Draken Blood. Draken Bloods possess long tails and knack for social manipulation. They remember the days when they were once mighty conquerors. So yeah, then it describes like, oh, these are replacing these abilities in the player's handbook <laughs> for the Dragonborn. So, the Draken Bloods get intelligence score increased by two and charisma by one. Love it. Dark vision and then forceful presence. You can use your understanding of creative diplomacy or intimidation to guide a conser conversation. Conservation. A conservation. A conversation. In your favor. So when you make a charisma, intimidation, or persuasion check, you can do so again with advantage. And once you use a straight, you can't use it again if they use short or long rest. Short or long rest, whatever. Yikes. That's a yikes, huh? The sucky ability. Yeah. The, what's it call? The pallet elf got advantage on all investigation and insight checks. Mm -hmm. And you can only do one. Isn't that such a yikes? Yeah, why? I have no idea. That's not broken to me. Getting an advantage on intimidation or persuasion. I don't know what the heck that's for. Um, once again, love the ability score increase. There's so many races that have physical ability score increases. There's so few that have just mental. Like the tiefling is like basically the only one. Because um, that's plus two to charisma, plus one to intelligence. Mm -hmm. This is the opposite of that. And finally having another race that can actually be a good wizard. Other than gnome. That's nice. Hey, human. Hey, human. Okay, the other Dragonborn variant is called a Ravenite. They have no tails, and they're very hardy physique. They used to be slaves. Um, they're, like, really big and buff, and they're cool. Um, so they have a strength plus two, con plus one. That's the most boring thing I could ever hear. Dark vision, 60 feet, and vengeful assault. When you take damage from a creature in range of a weapon you are wielding, you can use a reaction to make an attack with the weapon against that creature. Once you use this trait, you can't do so again until you finish your short or long rest. That's actually pretty tight. Vengeful assault. I like that. Yeah, but the strength and con. Oh my god, we've seen this a hundred times. Let's let's name all the races. Ready? Half orc, Goliath, orc, bugbear. Like every. Oh my gosh, there's so many races that does this. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I, this is why I just change things. It's it's just so like, I don't know. We're not here to complain. This is fine. There's I, there's really what? nothing wrong. No, with it. we are here to. Complain. We are here. No, you know what? This sucks. Cancel us if you if you must. But we're here to complain. Um, Burn this book. Wait, what? Burn this PDF. Yeah, there we go. Um, okay. Then it goes through, you know, ASMRs and that, well, whatever. We've seen all these things before. They're Double. pretty cool. Tabaxi? Furries, some cool mm -hmm. furry. Um, Furwolves just seem like just really chill dudes. Dude, know? I want to hang out with Furwolves in real life. Um, also, turtles are here. The furbolks took a ton of weed. <laughs> and turtles. Yeah. 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 Furbolks and turtles just smoke a ton of pot. Um, anyway, welcome to our kid-friendly channel here. <laughs> okay. So those are like races and stuff. We spent mm -hmm. way too long in that. There's a thing. We talked about this in the first episode, the first part of this review. But there's like a thing, a character <laughs> yeah. thing. How do you describe it? Well, it's described as a supernatural gift. So it's not like a different race. It's not a sub-race. It's not a feat. It's not a class thing. It's just this little thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's called the hollow one. It's basically just like another option mm-hmm. for character creation where you are basically dead, but you're not. Like, come back to life. Yeah. Um, either from, like, the weird magic that's in the land or, like, you were literally revived. Um, I like the idea that, like, what I would do is that um, character death can be kind of meaningless sometimes in D&D. Because there are many ways to bring character back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and if it happens too much, like in our campaign, people died quite a lot <laughs> near the end. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone kept getting reached from the dead and stuff. And it was still kind of heavy every time or whatever. What would be dope is that in the Wild Mount campaign that you're playing, if when you die and get resurrected, you become a hollow one. Like, no matter what. And if you just get resurrected in this land, yeah. you become a hollow one. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be, that'd, be, that'd be cooler and make it mean, you know, a little more. Yeah. So basically, it's just like additional things to add on to your race. Yeah. Your, uh, your character. Yeah. So things like you don't age. Uh, you basically have like a way to get back to your feed if you're unconscious. Which is awesome. Yeah. I really like this. When you make a death saving throw and roll 16 or higher, you regain one hit point. Finally. Yeah. It must be like weird for like new players like, ooh, I succeeded. Am I awake now? Yeah. It's a weird thing. I, mean, I don't I don't I mean I don't think you should come back to consciousness with three successes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just it is a little confusing. Yeah. Um but this is just a nice little ability. I've been waiting for something like this. Yeah. And then it just says like, ooh, you registered undead. Yeah, you're Stealth undead and a humanoid now. Yeah. And then you can just be creepy as an action. Yep. Yep. You can uh, creep people out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing. There's not a super big drawback on on this, because um, like the death saving throw thing is a bonus. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Plus, scaring people can help. That's a cool thing. Um, I would say the only like drawback would be that undead effects hurt you. Um, which is fine, but it's not like too crazy that like, you know. Yeah. The power gamers are like totally gonna want to play this all the time, just like oh. for that little. If you play a hollow one cleric, and you cast turn undead, do you start running too? Oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, also, what I would have liked. Uh, so basically, the unsettling presence as an action, unsettle a creature within fifteen feet. They have disadvantage on the next saving throw they make within the next minute. Constructs undead and creatures can't be fri- that can't be frightened are immune to this feature. Once you use it again, can't use it till you finish a long rest. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. I mean, that's pretty cool. I like that. Sure. That's pretty useful. Um, well, it also would have been cool if something that's kind of like a bonus and a drawback, like you have advantage on all intimidation checks, but disadvantage on all persuasion checks. Mm. Something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, because like you're not charming at all, because uh, you're creepy. Um, but you because you're creepy, you can because that's like a bonus and a drawback, so that balances out. Something like that would be cool. Yeah. Pod. All right. All right. Subclasses, guys. Sub-classes. You know how much we love talking about classes and subclasses. Mm-hmm. Let's get right into the news. Mm-hmm. Dunamis and Dunamancy. So Dunamis is is this new energy thing, um, the magical energy of potentiality and actuality in anticipatory arcane force that helps shape the multiverse. And might very well be what holds its elements together, like an infinite web of unseen tethers. 
That's all one sentence, and that's yeah. the first sentence here. That's one sentence. Thank you, Matthew Mercer, for your comprehensive writing. Bro, he just had, like, the entire thesaurus website up. He's like, okay, I'm for this entire thing. One sentence. <laughs> Boom. Um, basically, dunamis is the magic of potential and time and gravity. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. There are a couple subclasses here, breaking down and using those things. Yeah, um, basically, uh, in the world itself, it originates from the Kryn Dynasty, which is the Drow Kingdom, if you remember from Part 1. Um, they they uh, experiment with dunamancy and, and time magic and gravity magic and stuff. Um, okay, let's get on to my favorite of these three subclasses. Mm-hmm. The fighter one. The Echo Knight. Echo Knight. First of all, that sounds kind of like an Overwatch character. Right? <laughs> um, well, Echo is an Overwatch character. Oh, really? Who's that? Yeah. It was just released. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. It's like this robot that... Never mind, it's probably not super... But never mind. Nobody um, cares. We know you don't play Overwatch. <laughs> um, okay, can we get into this first uh, ability here? Because this is awesome. All right. So, third level. This is what you get when you choose a subclass. You can manifest an echo, which is this. basically like just, 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 just read it. An, an echo of you. Yeah. As a bonus action, you can magically manifest an echo of yourself in an unoccupied space. You can see within fifteen feet of you. The echo is a magical, translucent, gray image of you that lasts until it is destroyed, until you dismiss it as a bonus action, or until you manifest another echo, or you're incapacitated. Yeah. So it's got an AC of 14 plus your proficiency, one hit point, and immunity to all conditions. If it has make a, a saving throw, it uses your stuff. Yeah. Uh, same size as you, occupies its space. Uh, on your turn, you can mentally command the Echo to move up to 30 feet in any direction. No action required. If it's ever more than 30 feet away from you, it, it is destroyed. And then you can use the Echo in the following ways. As a bonus action, you can teleport and magically swap places with the Echo. At a cost of 15 feet of your movement. Pretty cool. You can do that yeah. without like, expending any resource other yeah. than just your movement for that turn. Yeah. I love that. I like it in use a bonus action uses movement. I like that a lot. Mm. Or, when you make the attack action on your turn, any attack you make f with that action can originate from your space or the Echo space. You can make this choice for each attack. That's so cool. I love that so much. You can just, like, have your echo attack. Yeah. Uh, when a creature that you can see within five feet of your echo moves at least five feet away from it, you can use your reaction to make an opportunity attack as if you were in your echo space. Mwah! Mwah! Um, can you just do this forever? Yeah. Can you keep manifesting an echo? If it keeps dying. I, I think, think so, so, right? Yeah. Oh, I love this. But guys, there's another third level ability. Mm. It's called Unleash Incarnation. You can heighten your Echo's Fury whenever you take the attack action. You can make one additional melee attack from the Echo's position. You can use this a number of times equal to your constitution modifier, and you're going to use this on a long rest. Mwah. Wow, this is mm. one of the best subclasses I've ever seen in my life. This is so cool. And we're not even... There's still four more abilities that we have to talk about. Like, this, like, counteracts the monotony of playing a fighter. Fighter, yeah. 
I love this. It's cool flavor wise. You have like this past echo view that can have follow you, and yeah. you can like attack from it, and like strength wise and giving you like options in combat and cool ways to use things. Mm. The tacticalness of like teleporting between it, yeah, and stuff is so sick that you can attack from it and like opportunity attack from it. It's just so cool, and I just I don't think this is too broken either. You know what I mean? It's pretty strong. It's very strong. Definitely getting the other ability of making additional attack from the Echo Space is pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but I think also without it, though, I do think it would be a little underpowered. Without that ability. <laughs> that might push it up into a, a more powerful area. But without that, you can just make attacks from it and opportunity attacks from it. But like that, you know, that's not super yeah. crazy. Um, and teleport between it. Yeah, I, I just think the there's, there's... I love the flavor. Because, um, you know, if you listen to another kind of reviews and stuff like you want to find like a cool flavor and that you want the mechanics to reflect that flavor and be balanced it's hard it's hard but this right here flavor is off the charts it's a very clear obvious flavor and everything fits and works into it mechanically but let's see if it keeps that mm -hmm. all right seventh level now so i don't even know if most campaigns reach seven level seventh level <laughs> Uh, Echo Avatar. So, you can temporarily transfer your consciousness to your Echo. As an action, you can see through your Echo's eyes and hear through its ears. During this time, you are deafened and blinded. Like you, you're like your normal body. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, you transfer to that Echo, and you can't see or hear anything. When you go to your Echo, you can see through the eyes and hear through its ears, but, but you're, you're blind, blind and, and deaf. deaf. Uh, no, sorry. You, your actual, your actual person. Yeah, yeah. Death. yeah. You can sustain this effect up to ten minutes. You can use it. You can edit at any time. Requires no action. And our echoes being used in this way, you can use it up. You can move it up to a thousand feet away from you without it being destroyed. So, this is a scouting ability. This yep. Is a little cool thing you can pull out in roleplay to like sneak into something or something like that. You know. This is awesome. This is just taking the flavor and just keep increasing it, right? I love that this is not another battle ability. More damage. Like, now you deal force damage. Like, whatever. No, it's like a really cool other ability now that's taking what this class is already established of creating this echo and using it for combat. Now you can also use it for whatever you want, really. Like, you can find creative ways. Um, yeah, scouting is the first thing that comes to mind. But also doing, like, a little um, um, intimidation kind of thing. You know in Princess Bride when they light... Andre the Giant on fire, mm -hmm. and, like, they push him forward on the thing, and he's like, I'm the Dread Pirate <laughs> Robert. But, like, you know, having, like, an Echo, like, walk out or whatever? Yeah. That'd be kind of look like a ghost or something. And you can, like, use that for something, for, like, a plan. I have no idea. It seems like infiltration to, like, uh, in the Manifest Echo feature, in unoccupied space, you can see within 15 feet of you. So perhaps, like, you can't get past the door, but you can, like, see underneath it or something, or you can, like... You know, you should oh. use that in cool ways. Right, right. You just look under the door, and you manifest him in there, and yeah. then you see through his eyes what's in there. That's tight. Yeah. That's cool. Also, like, is it considered a creature and stuff? I don't know, because, like, I wonder, like, does it trigger traps and stuff? Mm. I'm not super sure, because it doesn't say, like, it has a weight. It doesn't specify anything. It says it's the same size as you, and it does occupy a space. But I don't know, like... If it triggers, like, pit traps or whatever. I guess you're trying to have to figure that out on your own. Yeah. But that'd be cool, too. Using this ability to, like, send your guy out mm -hmm. just in front of you in the dungeon yeah. to trigger that stuff. Um, okay, Shadow Martyr. Tenth level. 
You can use your you can make your echo throw itself in front of an attack directed at another creature you can see. Before the attack roll is made, you can use your reaction to teleport the echo to an unoccupied space within five feet of the targeted creature. The attack roll that triggered the reaction is instead made against your echo. Once you do this, you can't use it again until you finish your short or long rest. Great. Great. So far, this is amazing. <laughs> like, this is so cool. Yeah. It's giving you more creative ways that you can use your echo. Without getting, like, too mechanically crazy. We have to yeah. do, like, all, all these bajillion different, you know, other abilities. It's all built around the central ability of using your echo. And then different options that you can use that echo. Yep. Alright. Reclaim potential. This is 15th level. You've learned to absorb the fleeting magic of your echo. When an echo of yours is destroyed by taking damage, you can create a number of... You can gain, sorry, a number of temporary hit points equal to 2d6 plus your constitution modifier. Provided you don't already have temporary hit points, you can use this a number of times equal to your constitution modifier. Per long rest, yeah. Um, sure, sure. This is a little weaker. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, you can't continually come up with banger after banger ability using this uh, concept, but... This is a little weird to me. I just feel like the moment you look at this, you're like, okay, how do I break? How do I break the game with this? You know what I mean? A little bit. This is one like, of the things. Quick, before we go into battle, let me create an echo and friend, you kill it. You know what I mean? I guess the I think the reasoning behind that is just it's just not as interesting as the, as the other abilities. Yeah. It's just like oh, like I see this and it's just like okay. This is just a gain temporary hit points ability. Yeah. This isn't, like, an Echo Knight ability. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the... Like, it's, the concept is kind of cool. Like, it dies, and you get to, like, suck in its energy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Which is cool. Um, For some reason, it says provided you don't already have temporary hit points. I don't know why it has that clause. I don't like that. Because that means that if you only have two temporary hit points, you can't mm -hmm. gain these. Yeah. So weird. Just keep it how temporary hit points already work, which is you just choose the higher one. Um... Sure, this is cool, but I just feel like the moment you look at this, you're just like, okay, I just want to gain temporary hit point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. All right. 18th level, Legion of One. You can use a bonus action to create two echoes Heck if you manifest yes. echoes future. These echoes can coexist. If you try and create a third echo, the previous two are destroyed. Anything you do with one echo position can be done from the others instead. In addition... When you roll initiative, you have no reuses of your Unleashing Incarnation feature left. You regain one. So basically, this is just more, more echoes. And I yes. could not, I will not complain because no. <laughs> more echoes is amazing. Um, that's a great 18th level ability. Once again, not too broken, mm -hmm. but like that's so cool. Now you have like two dudes running around. You can attack from both their positions. This is awesome. Wait a minute. With the Unleashed Incarnation ability, which is whenever you take the attack action, you can make an additional attack. Can you make additional from each of them? Or just one? I think just one. Okay, okay. Anyway, this is cool. From what I see, I haven't used this. From what I see, this looks like a balanced fighter subclass. It's so dope. Okay, and imagine it's so like you're, dope. Like, you're like a variant human. And you take, or just like a human, because like, you know... Or whatever race, because yeah. fighters get a bajillion different yeah. abilities for increases. And you take like, the Magic Initiate feat, and you take Mirror Image. So you just have a bajillion just, of There's you. so many of you, yeah. just everywhere. <laughs> or just, oh, I was about to say the Elder Knight subclass, but you can't take two subclasses. Um, 
I love it. Yeah. This is amazing. This is great. Amazing. Cool, interesting, new, works well. Yeah. Okay. Two. Cronergy. Yeah, there's two wizard subclasses. This is cool. I understand because we're these both uh, go into two different sides of Dunamis, which is the time aspect and then the gravity aspect. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Wizards already have a gazillion subclasses. Yeah. Could could we have done with a subclass for a different class? Yes. That still had to do with Dunamancy. Yes, like yeah. a monk one. I don't know. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Okay, Chronergy Magic. Uh, by the way, uh, spoiler alert, these ones are not as cool <laughs> as the Echo Knight. So these are focusing on the ma- manipulation of time and bending the flow of time. Mm-hmm. That stuff. All right. Chronal Shift, second level. You can magically exert limited control over the flow of time around a creature. As a reaction, after you or a creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw, you can force the creature to re-roll. You can use this decision after you see whether the roll succeeds or fails. Nice little tidbit there. Keep that in mind. Uh, the target must use the second result on the dice. Uh, you can use this ability twice and regain uses on a long rest. Okay, I have beef with this. This should be an amount of times equal to your intelligence modifier. Yes. Because then it scales with you mm-hmm. as you level up. Um, and this is not a powerful ability. So having a little more uses is nice. Yeah. Um, even like recharging always... on a shorter long rest would yeah. be nice. Two uses, long rest. This is like... just not that powerful. It's kind of like a luck point in a way. Yeah. But it Except uses a reaction. Uses a reaction. You can see, you can use it after you see whether the roll succeeds or fails. Oh, that's true. She can't with luck. But, uh, yeah, just recharging a long rest, you know, two, forever, mm-hmm. it's just rough. That's just I'd rough. I'd just rather play a divination wizard if I want an ability like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you also get another second level ability, which I really like, called Temporal Awareness. You can add your intelligence modifier to your initiative rolls. Cool. Mwah! There we go. Super simple, full of flavor right Mm. there. Because you're seeing ahead of time and stuff, and so your reaction's better. That's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind with these wizard subclasses, a lot of these are going hand in hand with the different like spells that are released with this. Oh yeah, because there's some there's some dunamancy spells. Yes. Yeah. And like, there might be points where these subclasses are lacking, but the spells might not. You know. Right. All right. Momentary stasis. As an action, this is, sorry, 6th sixth, sixth level. As an action, you can magically force a large or small creature you can see within 60 feet of you to make a con saving throw against your spell safety DC, and unless the saving throw is success, the creature is encased in a, ma- in a field of magical energy until the end of your next turn or until the creature takes any damage. While encased in this way, the creature is incapacitated and has a speed of 0. You can use this a number of times to equal to your intelligence modifier, recharges on a long rest. Thoughts? Rereading it because what? Cage within 60 feet of con save or be encased in a field of magical energy until the end of your next turn. They're incapacitated and have a speed of zero. Sure. I don't know. When do you use this? Just a pause, dude. Pause! It's just like, um. It's a spell. It's the sphere. The sphere. Odaluke's yeah. resilient sphere. Yeah. No, but you can attack them, though. There, There's one that, like, 
Because they just, they just like, they just go incapacitated and speed zero until someone gets attacks them or until the end of your next turn. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's kind of just like giving an advantage on, you know, like, I mean, stopping him for a turn, like your enemy for a turn, like, it's cool. Yeah. It's fine. It seems cool. It just takes her action, which is a real rough time for a spellcaster. Because um, they don't, like, have any bonus action stuff usually. Mm-hmm. And so using your whole action to do this. Hmm. Oh, they're just better spells you're casting at 6th level already. I don't know how you fix this, though. I don't know. I don't know how you fix this. It's kind of cool. I just don't know how useful it is. Okay, Arcane... It literally feels like a spell. Yeah, it just feels like a spell. Arcane Abiance. 10th level. When you cast a spell using a spell slot of 4th level or lower... I love this. You can condense the spell's magic into a moat. The spell is frozen in time at the moment of casting and held within a gray bead for one hour. This bead is a tiny object with AC 15 and one hit point, and it is immune to poison and psychic damage. When the duration ends, or if the bead is destroyed, it vanishes in a flash of light, and the spell is lost. A creature holding the bead can use action to release the spell within, whereupon the bead disappears. And they use your attack, a spell attack, and spell save DC, and treat the creature who's releasing the bead as the caster. Once you create a bead with this, you can't do it again to finish your short long rest. Love it. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of mechanical in hand in hand with flavor that I want. Yeah. Using your ability to manipulate time to store this potential spell that others can use. Really cool, by the way. You can use that in so many different ways. So many creative ways. Yeah. I'm thinking of like a jailbreak, you know, where like you like hand someone like the, the bead, you yeah. know, like they just stuff it up their nose. Then they sneeze it out, and then they can use it in the jail. That's what you're thinking of. Like. Um, anyway, oh, you put in there's so many creative ways you can use this, and that's exactly what we want in abilities, is forcing people to be creative and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the best you can ever do. Yeah. I just like really like the idea of you being able to condense this into a little bead, and like others, others can use that. That's pretty dope. All right. Convergent future, 14th level. You can peer through possible futures and magically pull one of them into events. Pull one into events around you. Like Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. how he raises one finger. Ensuring a particular outcome. When you or a creature you can see within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll, an ability check, or saving throw, you can use your action to ignore the dice roll and decide whether the number rolled is the minimum needed to succeed or one less than that number. Your choice. You can use this feature. Oh, when you use this feature, sorry. You gain one level of exhaustion. Only by finishing a long rest can you remove the level of exhaustion gained in this way. Okay, this is like, like this is clutch as heck. Mm-hmm. Um, like the you know the the BBG like rolls a natural twenty against your cleric or whatever, and you're like, no, no, that's a miss actually. That's one less. You were so close, buddy. Or like, you know. You succeed on the guy who like had to make the deck save to make sure to grab the bridge before he fell into the dark abyss, mm-hmm. and he fails. Like no, you succeed. Like that's pretty clutch. But level of exhaustion? Are you kidding me? I like that. There's just like not a finite amount of features. I guess you know amount of uses that you can do it as much as you want. There's just continually consequences. But that is just hurts so much. You know what I mean? It's just like it's not powerful. Enough for me. It's too alike to the divination wizard. And to the second level ability. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's too alike, and I mean it's cool. It's like yeah, more, it's more powerful and stuff. But whatever, everyone's gonna reach fourteenth level anyway. <laughs> okay, Graviturgy, uh, Wizard. They use gravity. We're not gonna go through this whole thing, but you uh, understand. Yeah, it's pretty gravity. Yeah, grab. You can like suck people into things and uh, make people like way less or way more. Um. And then you can, like, deal extra damage with an attack or something because you're causing the gravity to pull the axe down faster. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Okay, Dunamancy spells. We're also not going to go through all of these. Um, there's... So that would take, like, ten hours. Yeah, there's a couple. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Fifteen. Um, and so these are new spells that you can only... Well, some are evil... Some are, like... Wait, how the heck do these work? So it's not... Okay, so... You can only get them if you're those subclasses. Or what? Because it says a Chronergy spell or a Graviturgy spell. I... Or is that just saying this is a Chronergy spell? Or can you just take these? Okay, these are available to the wizard subclasses previously mentioned in this chapter. As well as other spellcasting classes with the Dungeon Master's consent. Yeah. But otherwise, if you choose one of those two wizard subclasses that we just talked about, you get access to these. Um, yeah, so there's la, la, one of each level, at least. Yeah, there's one at of least. each level, at least. Um, and these are all cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, some, like, you know, give people an extra d20 to roll, like, the time kind of thing. Giving people extra uh, bonus to initiative, initiative rolls. Um, and then there's, like, some crazy high-level ones where you, like, create, like, black holes, mm -hmm. which are awesome. Yeah. Um, gravity sinkhole, all that kind of stuff. I like this one. It's the second level one where you basically like fix an object where it is, like immovable object. Yeah, yeah. You just can't move that object. Yeah, that's it's like a uh, rod of immovability or whatever. Yeah. Um. Here's the best cantrip. You ready? One action, thirty feet, instantaneous. Called sapping sting. You sap the vitality of one creature you can see within range. They have to make a con save or take one d four necrotic and fall prone. <laughs> I love it. You're just like whoop. You're doing a little tap and they fall down. Um. Just, this should be force damage. Because um, you're just pulling them to the ground with gravity, right? Yeah. Why is it a necromancy cantrip? I have no idea. This is really weird. Um, it just makes sense for them to make a strength save instead of a con. Or you pull them to the ground with gravity. They take 1d4 force damage and they fall prone. Anywho, it's a little weird. <laughs> it's like you sap their energy. Do they, do they fall because they're like, I'm weak. <laughs> the heck is that? I don't know. I guess. Anyway, so these are there's some cool spells here. Uh, check them out if, if you want. They're, they're, a lot of them are pretty complex, and they have like three mm. paragraphs each. The ninth level spell costs 5,000. Uh, what's that one called? Ravenous Time Ravage. Ravage. Oh. Time Ravage. Well, there's two. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, Time Ravage. Oh, but it's not the most expensive one. What is the most expensive one? Like, spell. Yeah, what is the most expensive spell? Isn't like Revivify? It's just... Uh, no, no, uh... uh, uh the... the Free resurrection. True resurrection. resurrection. Yeah, two resurrection. It's, it's like twenty five. It's twenty five thousand. Yeah. Jeez. A good gem worth twenty five. Like. Jeez. Okay, wait. This is cool though. Time ravage. Let's read it. Time ravage. Ninth level necromancy. One action. Range ninety feet. Thousand gold. Five thousand gold. You target a creature you can see within range, putting its physical form through the devastation of rapid aging. They have to make a con save, taking ten d twelve necrotic damage on a fail or half as much. They're gonna succeed, so half as much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> If the save fails, the target also ages to the point 
where it only has 30 days left before it dies of old age. In this aged state, the target has disadvantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws, and its walking speed is halved. Only the wish spell or the greater restoration spell cast with a ninth level spell slot can end these effects and restore the target to its previous age. Whoa. That's amazing. It's amazing. I'm just seeing this, like, tyrannical, like, party, like, casting this on, like, a leader of a land, like a king, saying, like, you have 30 days to, like, yeah. repay us, or, like... Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I, I like this better as, like, a lich ability, mm. and having him cast it, um, maybe minimize the damage, but on, like, a party member, kind of earlier levels, and so then there's, like, a whole adventure. We have 30 days. We have to go get this party member to find this magic item, or to find yeah. this MacGuffin, or this NPC that can heal this um, aging effect. That's cool. It would suck to be the NPC, uh, the PC, though, that has disadvantage on everything. Um, whatever, ninth level. It's, it's a really cool concept, but, like, they're not gonna fail their save. Yeah, no. Uh, okay. Um, Heroic Chronicle. This is a new kind of system, per se, mm-hmm. um, uh, in this book. So, it's a variety of these tables that you can roll on or choose from to give your backstory and your character just a... A grounding point in the world yeah it gives you like more information about your character based on what background you chose different things you can add on to your character to give it more life in the world yeah so it's like it will attach you to like what's your homeland mm-hmm. what's your home settlement um like where do you have allies or yes. rivals what's really cool is that there's a whole table depending on your background you have allies or rivals in each of the four different regions well, kind of empires. Yeah. Clovis Concord, Dundalian Empire, Grand Wildlands, and Crane Dynasty. Um, so, like, a charlatan has an ally in the Clovis Concord, a rival in the Dundalian Empire, an ally in the Grand Wildlands, and a rival in the Crane Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. Then, there's tables for that. You roll a d100 um, to see what this ally or rival's relationship to you is. So, let's read some of these off. Uh, for the ally relationship. This person once lost a bet to you and is still trying to scrounge up the cash to pay you back. They've decided you'd both better be off if they put you in their debt instead. Yeah. Uh, you and this person are affected by powerful magic, and now you can share a telepathic connection that functions while you're within one mile of each other. Cool. That's cool. Off some of the rival relationships. This person believes that you murdered their siblings. Regardless of your guilt or innocence, they're out your blood. Wow, that's... Okay. You bested this person in combat, but they believe you cheated to defeat them. They long to prove that they are the superior warrior. Um, you you once loved this person, but broke their heart. They're now obsessed with making you feel the same pain they felt. Matt, Mercer, what's going on? <laughs> what is bro, this? Bro, 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 do you need to talk? Calm down, bro. Um, anyway, so this is, this is really cool. Yeah, so there are tables for family relationships, ally relationships, and rival relationships. All pretty cool. Give you ideas, you know, for your backstory, you know, characters in your backstory, all those things like that. Yeah, and also, now there's also a table to roll the identity of these characters, these Mm -hmm. rivals and allies. So, D100, and it will give you a stat block from the monster manual, a commoner, an acolyte, a bandit. So this is really cool because not only is it giving you the stat block that you can use, it's also giving you their, like, vocation. Are they mm. a knight? Are they a gladiator? Are they a scout? Yeah. If you roll 100, uh, you end up with an adult gold dragon or adult <laughs> red dragon. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, um, so what is cool also about this is 
um, depending on, on what you roll, a couple of these higher level, more powerful characters mm-hmm. uh, and uh, these stat blocks also have the clause that you gain one fateful moment. So can you talk about what fateful moments are? Fateful moments, it's like you and that special someone, you're, you're on the bridge looking up at the moon. You and get on one knee. Your hand brushes past her. Okay, anyway, <laughs> a fateful moment. Feel connection. <laughs> and now you can talk telepathically if you're one mile of each other. <laughs> um, but then you broke their heart. Now they're out for your blood. Um, a fateful and you moment. them in combat. It's just an important moment that happened in your life mm-hmm. that you know you're, you're, that shows that you know your adventure, like your fate, your fate is strange and there's you know weird things about you and stuff. Yeah. And so you can gain a number of these based on these NPCs that you roll. Mm-hmm. Some of these are very weird. Some of these are most. They're mostly cool though. Yeah. So basically, what these there's these fateful moments are really cool because there's twenty of them. You roll them a d twenty to randomize what fateful moments you you get. And these are really cool because they give a situation that happened in your past, and now something you have because of that. Mm-hmm. So can you read some off? Um, your parents were murdered in front of you. Roll in the ally arrival identities to determine the type of creature that killed them. You have proficiency in stealth and survival skills. Cool. Your parents are murdered. That's automatically a bonus, you know? <laughs> no, but then, like... You find out who they are, and your proficiency in stealth and survival, perhaps, like, hinting to, like, okay, try to track him yeah. down and get revenge. Or, you have to survive now that your parents did it, depending on, like, when, how old you were when your parents were killed, you know? Yeah. Uh, here, here's a cool one. A famous warrior trained you with what has become your signature weapon. You have proficiency with a martial weapon of your choice, and you own one such weapon. It has special features as detailed in Chapter 7 of the Dungeon Master's Guide. You also have the martial adept feat from the player's handbook. Tight. Tight. That's a, that's, a, that's a cool little thing. Yeah. And then some give you magic uh, items that you have collected mm-hmm. from these fateful moments. Some give you uh, spells that you can cast innately. One gives you a horse, which is awesome. <laughs> um, and this is my favorite. While reading through a mysterious tome once owned by a parent, you found a treasure map that points towards a place in Wildmount of the DM's choice. That is awesome. That's awesome. It's actually just a good an outhouse. <laughs> It's like, you know, it's whatever. It's, uh, but points to where we... And then it's like, perhaps the treasure with, with the friends, friends we, we made, made all along <laughs> on the way. Um, this is a really cool system. This Faithful Moment thing is really cool. Um, I think I think it's, it's not used... I need more. I want some more. Yeah. I want double the amount of these things. Yeah. I like the idea, like, like for a lot of these, like, more, like, out there ally and rival identities, like... Normal people don't really have allies who are archmages or rivals who are archmages or allies who are literally adult dragons. <laughs> yeah. Or assassins or nobles. Like, there's more to that. Like, mm-hmm. people who have those kind of relations have had stuff go on in their life. So it makes sense that. Yeah. That you gain these fateful moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the whole system is very clean, the way things lead into other things. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. I just and... want more. Yeah, I just want a little more for this fateful moment thing in particular. Yeah. Um, then, if you want to really, really ground your character in this world, you can roll on your favorite food. <laughs> Based on where in the world you come from. from. Yeah. Guys, there's literally a table. You roll a d8, and you get your favorite food. I'm just getting really hungry. <laughs> uh. Anyway, 
Sure, that's cool. This is some world building stuff. Food. <laughs> Don't know why I have to take up a page and a half, but that's cool. Okay, All now right. onto my favorite <laughs> Mysterious secrets. This is like another little thing like, oh, what's your mysterious secret in your past? Blah, 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 blah. Like right. an inciting moment for your yeah. character, a reason why you're adventuring or whatnot. Yes. A range from, hmm, okay, basic adventuring, like, you know, secret, like, oh, I was called to by a rumbling voice. And some of them are just weird. Okay, let's just let's read a couple. Let's read a couple of these. All right. I was the only witness of a cold-blooded murder. In the aftermath, I saw the killer take a gold coin from the... With a ruby inlaid at its center from the victim's body. Okay. Great, that's a great yeah. mysterious mm -hmm. secret. What's mm -hmm. going on here? What does this gold coin mean? Mm -hmm. But then. But then. Let's see. There's so many good ones. Oh, I once caught a falling star. It looked up from my hands and smiled, then told me to look for it on the day when fire erupts from the earth. <laughs> okay. Um. I once had a dream where an old stranger looked at looked me dead in the eye, screamed SCOURGER at the top of their lungs, and then exploded into a column of flame. <laughs> okay, it's just a weird, weird where, thing. Where's the sibling one? Where's the sibling oh, okay. One? I woke up one night to find one of my okay. siblings perched on my chest, staring into my eyes. They said, the time is soon, and then giggled and ran off. When I asked them, they had no memory of the event. <gasps> what? what? They weren't just pranking you? <laughs> What is going on? That's not a mysterious secret. I had a friend who was a farmer. Every week, their crops doubled in size until they had pumpkins as big as houses. The next week, the friend was gone. The fields were torched. I never heard from them again. Like, what? What? This is the best one. This is our favorite. I ate a fruit whose seeds spelled out a magic word where I'd cast them onto the ground. Years later, I saw the same word spelled out within a slice, slice of, of bread. bread. <laughs> Guys, these are some what? mysterious, mysterious secrets here. Uh, yeah, this is like the weirdest table. I don't like it. Okay. Just, it's just, there's too many weird ones yeah. for it to be cool. It's so easy, I feel like, to come up with really interesting, cool, mysterious secrets. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not. I don't want to, you know. Okay. Final thing here. Um, prophecy. Mm -hmm. Are there prophecies surrounding your character? You know, like, things that... Hint for your future. Yeah. That guides you on your journey. Yeah. So there's a D20 roll here. Uh, table. Uh, so one is like, this is like, these are really cool. Um, I will uncover a relic from Isle Cross and become famous, but the relic will exact a terrible cost. I will, this is my favorite. I will hesitate at an important moment. Another person will suffer for it. That's so cool. Yeah, I like prophecies. Prophecies are dope. You can work them into character arcs and character mm -hmm. development and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of stuff you can do with them. Seems like a fine table. Uh, okay, great. Oh, right. So some new backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can be a grinner from the faction that we talked about earlier, the Golden Grin, in the part part one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you can cool. smile. You can be a Volstrucker agent. Which are like assassins and enforcers of the Cerberus Assembly, which we mm -hmm. also talk in part one. Yep. Uh, yeah, and then some backgrounds to adapt. So if you're an acolyte, you can also try to be an acolyte of the mm -hmm. Luxembourg, or a criminal working for the Myriad. Yeah, these like adapt 
these adaptations don't like change things mechanically, but they're more just like reflavoring these certain backgrounds to help fit in the world. Which I like. Yes. It's nice. Um, also, sorry. Is Spy a background? Yeah. What? Yeah. Spy is a background. Fairly certain. That's not true. That can't be true. Where's X? Where's X? Sage. Sailor. Soldier. Spies aren't a background. Oh, it must be from it must be from another book. It must be from another book because here is like a reflavored spy. Um, the spy I've never heard of that before. I knew it. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Okay, so that was one chapter in an hour. Now we're gonna speed race through the other chapters. Um, but that's because we don't also just don't have as much to say on these. Yeah. All right. Adventures. Um, they are adventures. There's you know? four adventures. Mm-hmm. That, four adventures in this world. Yeah. They take the characters from first level to third level. Uh, pretty short and sweet. They've all got little twists in there. Little things that the player is going to investigate. Several battles. Random encounters if you want them. They all have slightly different like things that they pull in from the world. You know, ba- They're based in like, different areas of the world. So you get to see like, a lot of the world. Yeah. Based on which one. Yeah. They're all based in like totally different regions. Mm-hmm. And they all have kind of a different... like. Um, like, vibe and, like, focus. Yeah. Which is really cool. They're all very different. Uh, we haven't actually read through all of them, just in case we want to run one of them. Mm-hmm. One of these is Unwelcome Spirits, which is the adventure we'll be running for um, the uh, for a podcast we're going to record us running that uh, Indeed. adventure. Indeed. Um, I don't have much to say about these. They're adventures. They're nice adventures. Yeah. Nice, easy to run. They're just fine adventures. Yeah. Uh, cool. It's cool. It just explores more of the world and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just so cool that there's four adventures that are long enough to take a character from first to third level. Four of those in this book. Yeah. That's just so nice. cool. And they're all different. Mm-hmm. They're all so different. Uh, yeah, that's just really awesome. I really like that a lot. All campaign settings should have this. Um, yeah. It's quite nice that they have these four adventures. They, ha- they have the time and space to put four adventures into this book. So you can see those different parts of the world based on where yeah. you choose. I like how adventures might work. Yeah. Whatever. And also, these are four different adventures that you can kick off your campaign with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, okay. Right. Magic items. There's a bunch of magic items here. Dude. There's some very cool ones. Damn, these magic items are the best things ever. Okay, so there's a couple like nice little common and uncommon ones that just do a mm-hmm. couple things. I like this one that like it's an amulet, and you gain hit points when you drink a pint of like alcohol. Yeah, yeah, when you drink alcohol. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best. Um, but yeah, there's so there's a couple like new like common and uncommon treasures, mm-hmm. little magic items. That's fine. There's also a couple like new like really crazy like legendary weapons, like the blood axe, dusk crusher, um, Acheron blade. Cool, like these are some cool like legendary weapons mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but we're not done. Yeah, so there's like quite a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Dang, there's also a prosthetic limb, um, <laughs> which is dope because people need their limbs to be cut off. Come on. Wait, what? Um, They're ooh. the Vestiges of Divergence, which, if you're unfamiliar with the concept, they are these, like, uh, artifacts that go through these different stages, typically as players, like, level up and continue through campaigns and reach to different points, like, in their story, and things like that, where they gain more powers, and they get more powerful as the characters do. 
basically in the history of this world there's this moment there's this event called the calamity like big war between very powerful forces and gods and horrors and all this kind of stuff and like these relics were given to heroes from like gods and stuff these mm -hmm. these um, cloaks or axes or chains or whatever they are just a bunch of different items um <laughs> some sick, sick two chains uh two chains is actually a character in this in the history mm -hmm. of this world um, he's one of the gods and, but but now these items are lost and scattered and mm -hmm. your players can uncover them yeah. and that's really cool in the first Kutukuro World campaign there was a, a big plot arc of them looking for these various uh, vestiges of divergence um, but yeah like Abe was saying they have a dormant state but then once the person who wields them like has personal growth and stuff they mm -hmm. go into the awakened state and once they achieve ultimate character arc completion um, they get into their exalted state yeah I like the idea i love the idea of abilities and sorry weapons that get better and better as the players do you know it's like yeah it kind of sucks like when you're like lower level or mid level and you get a like a magic weapon and you really like it think it's really cool but then it just gets weaker and weaker as you like level up and get access to more powerful things mm -hmm. or perhaps it gets boring you know over time this is like you can give your player something at a certain level, and then they can still get new things from that way later in the campaign. Yeah, what I like most about this is that it goes really hand-in-hand -hand with character arcs and character growth and everything. And it's a way to physically and visually represent to your players mm. that this that like when you feel like their, their character has reached the next point in their character arc or whatever, or has completed their character arc, by unlocking this. And it just encourages them to roleplay and, and to play their character and to have that arc and stuff. Yeah. And that's really, really cool. That's that's what I really like the most about these. Plus, they're so fun. There's mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. There's this visor that lets you, like, see through darkness and eventually, like, see through walls. And there's, like, a new spell book that gives you access to new spells and uh, armor. And uh, there's a belt that turns into a storm avatar. Basically, you're like, doing these massive lightning yeah. damage attacks. Yeah. There's a key... That like unlocks doors, like all doors, mm -hmm. and that's also, so cool. And eventually, like you can just put it into a wall, and it creates a doorway Door. into the wall. Oh, oh, so cool! Yeah, there's not actually not a lot of weapons here. There's actually just a ton yeah. of other things, which is really cool. There's, um, anyway, so there's some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we go into the arms of the betrayers, which, by the way, can be your patron as a warlock, um, as we which talked about in dope. part one uh, of this review. Yeah, these also, you know. Have like the dormant, awakened, and exalted states. Yeah, these are evil weapons, which you that have the souls with. of fiends mm -hmm. that can talk to you in your head when you attune to them, uh, and they're vicious. Dude, these things are crazy. Um, I haven't read really through every single one, but from what I've seen, they all seem pretty different and have a pretty clear like mm -hmm. focus and theme. Um, yeah. They work really good too. Yeah, they're they're, they're also really. I really like this one where, in the dormant state, like you can choose to deal extra damage, but doing so makes you take psychic damage. Like how far do you want to go? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty sick. Yeah, there's a lot of them, and they're all very detailed and long and, and, mm. and nice and sweet. So we're gonna read all of them word for word. <laughs> anyway, those are magic items. We don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. Definitely, if you're a player listening, but they're sick they're really cool mm -hmm. um i just don't know why he included so many evil weapons i just don't feel like you're gonna be playing a super you know what i mean i just don't know if you're gonna have a evil party going through and collecting evil weapons um i guess you can use them for like the villains i don't know 
We'll see. We will see. Okay. Bestiary. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! There's some cool beastie beasties. There's like 20, I want to say. Yeah, there's 20. So, yeah. I, I think they're like 20. Yeah. You know, they've got ab aberrations, beasts, constructs, fey, fiends, humanoids, monstrosities, and undead. So, flavor. A lot of them. Yeah. So, Aryan Hunters are is this new kind of like, like you know, like the Yugoloths things, whatever those are called. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like yeah, yeah. Arcanoloths, whatever. The, I forgot what those are called. Uh, but those things. Yeah, it's like Yugoloths, I think. Yeah, and they're like a race. They're like a group of creatures, mm -hmm. but they're all very different. Yeah. Because there's, like, insect-like ones, and there's, like, alien ones, there's and there's, like, a fox, a fox one. one. <laughs> um, so these are, like, Aryan hunters. They're kind of otherworldly. Mm -hmm. um, eldritch kind of things like that. Bro, I'm and they're a lot of, like, Castlevania vibes. Yeah. That's what we're getting with. Um, and they're all just very different-looking mm -hmm. things. There's, like, a snake dude. Um, there's, like, multiple mouths on All the over body. his body. Um, it's, like, this wolf dude. Like, an eye comes out of its tail. <laughs> Uh, there's a big, nice little Sully, but he's green and naked. Um, these are very powerful. Um, they have all kinds of abilities. Uh, most of them have to do with magic, so like they can like rebound spells. They can counter spell. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty interesting. I I'd say these are some of the more more interesting creatures in here. Um, but they're not super unique or crazy. Uh, but they're really interesting and alien. And, and, and yeah. Weird. Then we've got things like Blood Hunters, which is also a class made by Matthew Mercer. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just like a stat block for an NPC blinder in the world. Yep, just nice and cool. Mm-hmm. You got core spawns. Yes, which are like aliens, like insect, like Zerg aliens. Mm -hmm. um, which are basically just like eldritch horror aliens that are coming from the yeah. rift and a whatever. They're pretty boring, sadly. Um, I mean, this guy has an ability called Psychedelic Orb. <laughs> um, there are They actually are pretty interesting, but I don't know. There's nothing like just super standout unique. Yeah. How about that? Oh, uh, and then. The core spawn worm. Yeah, the worm is awesome. But it's just like, you know, it's just like another big worm. Yeah. It's just a massive worm. Yeah. And then for some reason, cool. this is really weird. There's stats for specifically a frost giant zombie. zombie. What? I guess they're like a big thing. There's the a. Fighting North, I guess. There's maybe? a. Uh, there's like rules in like the Monster Ranger for like zombifying things or whatever. You know, like the zombifying beholders yeah. and ogres. But here are specific stats for a frost giant zombie. I actually think that these are used in one of the um Probably Adventures. I think I don't know, it's a challenge break nine. It can't be. I just it's really weird yeah, yeah. to me. That there's like... specific stats for a frost giant <laughs> zombie. Anyway. There's frost worm. Just another it's a big worm. Just another it's frosty. Worm. But it screams. Mm -hmm. Alright. Now gearkeeper construct. This is Skyrim. Like, yeah, Skyrim. It literally yeah. comes out of Skyrim. It's a ball with blades. Yep. Uh, it's it's cool. It you know it's like cuts you up and it's actually really strong. Um, Gloom Stalkers, which are like big smoky dragons. Um, they're 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 they're, kind, they're a lot they're like like hotbox the world. They're like <laughs> they're like fell beasts from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, I think they're clearly inspired by that. They're like dark and shadowy. And they also have a Shriek ability. I know the Shriek is coming from the Nazgul and not, not the Fell Beast in Lord of the Rings. But, you know, it's that kind of vibe. Okay, best monster. Let's do it. All right. Horizon back tortoise. Yeah. So it's this, this massive tortoise that carries a small village on its back. Yeah. It's so dope. So, like, goblinoids 
and other creatures like that like use these creatures like as their homes and they travel through these swamps yeah this swampland of their homes oh my goodness i love it's it so cool and like the name too a horizon back it makes sense you know yeah, yeah it's great i mean the stats are nothing to like yeah. special it doesn't have like cool attacks or anything but it's a massive turtle you can build a little village on its back well not like a village but like a pretty big yeah. building um that like goblins can live comfortably on um I love the con. It's so it's rich in concept. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just so flavorful and cool. Like when you show this to your like party, like in the campaign, they're gonna be like, "This is the coolest yeah. thing ever." Um, this caravan of massive tortoises with buildings on their back. Oh, there's a whole goblin army in there. Yeah. I love so that. So dope. Um, what I really like is that in like the theme about like war, you know that this campaign mm -hmm. is rich with, like having a garrison of tortoises marching with. You know, like, battlements of goblins on their backs and stuff. That's just so cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's a lot like the lion turtle from Avatar Last Airbender. Um, just like a big thing with something on its back. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's way bigger, but... Okay. Husk zombie. Basically just a zombie. Okay. It's a zombie. Uh, next one. Marrow Shallow Priest. <sighs> this art. This art is awesome. Um, it's like the Triton's evil twin. No. Well, <laughs> it's, it's Marrow's from the Monster Manual. Yeah. But just like a spellcaster... Uh, Marrow. Yep. Then we have more bounders, which are just like so cute. Quirky panthers. They're like quirky know. panthers. Yeah. <laughs> they're like they're mounts. Um, they're yeah. panther mounts that are kind of insane. But they just look so funny. <laughs> they're so cute. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Nurgalid. It's just like a big toad devil. It's basically like a hut from Star Wars, but devil. Yeah. But yeah. fiendish. Actually. I just have feet, though, instead of a sloppy little tail. Um, there's really, honestly, nothing interesting about them. Okay. And then they just, like, the art just looks horrifying. Yeah. Okay, then there's some there's a little Sahuijin warlock. Mm-hmm. Um, Ukatoa. Ukatoa. Which we talked about in part one. Mm-hmm. Um, a sea fury. Um, but there's already a sea hag. So, <laughs> I don't know. The art's dope, though. The art's really dope. Okay, Shadow Ghast, literally just a stronger version of a Ghast or a Ghoul. Swervain? Swervain. Swervain Basilisk. Swervain. I think it's Swervain. Sure. Swervain. Basilisk. It's a Basilisk. Uh, In the water. In the water. It's like a sea serpent, which really cool. It like if you hit it, you get stuck to it, mm -hmm. and then you start to get petrified. And like the art, it's got like this like petrified warrior with like a spear in his hand, just curled up in its tail. Curled up in its tail. Yeah. That's just so cool. I just love the concept of uh, a, a like a sea serpent that like petrifies people mm -hmm. by like just you know wrapping them up like an octopus, but instead of suffocating them, they turn to stone. That's really cool. Okay, an udak is the scariest thing you'll ever see. It's like a big gorilla. With, like, four eyes and a massive toothy maw, as Matthew Mercer would say. <laughs> they're really strong. They're not ex super exciting. They're just terrifying. Yeah, they're just, like, these massive, like, literally gargantuan fiends. Six-legged gorillas, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they're cool. Yeah. But it's just, like, the typical bite, slam, swallow yeah. abilities. Um. All right, now the most exciting part. Oh my gosh! Of okay, guys, this this is my. We've been waiting part. for this, right? Okay. How do you say it? 
tu glosari, glosari, Glos, glossary, I think. Oh, okay. Glossary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Alright, so the arrow is a flying city of mages. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, that's a glossary. Then there's an index. Obviously, yeah. the best parts of the book, and there's cool maps. Um, yeah. There's a lot to this book. There's so much to this book. So let's let's do some final thoughts now that we've finished our review. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts. We have to go somewhere very soon, so we gotta end this soon. <laughs> but um, so if you're looking for something that stems from classic fantasy, a world that stems from classic fantasy, has a lot of detail on it, a lot of work has been put into this world. There's a lot of resources for you and your players to work with and to build campaigns on. I think this is a great option. Like, there's so much in this book that you can build off of as a DM. There's so much you can take inspiration from as a player. It's a beautiful world with a lot of detail already done for you. Yeah. It, like, stems from a classic fantasy world, you know, classic fantasy, like, level. There's, like, slight, you know, alterations from that path. But if you're looking for a new world want to have a world that already has a lot of the groundwork laid for you. You have four starting adventures. Yeah. You can start your players with a ton of information, new information about races, new sub-races, new subclasses. I think it's a great it's a great book. Yeah. Also, if you and your player group are fans of critical role, it's also cool. Because um, you can also kind of work in that stuff, and it's fun for them to be playing in a world of critical role. Yeah. Um, if they're fans, so that's also a plus. Um, as a campaign set, like campaign guide, this is fantastic. It has everything you need. It has mm-hmm. everything you need. It has the detail of every single location ever in the world. If your party ever goes there, you know what to do. Um, it has details of all the factions and societies. It's clear on like how do you run campaigns in this world. It has the whole pantheon, all the character options to create. You know. What is a human? How does a human work in this world? How does an yeah. elf work in this world? Whatever. Plus all the races they've basically like ever made, except for Triton, packed into one book is really cool. Gives your character uh, players so many options. Um, it's the, you know the starting adventures, also the a detailed history. You know, yeah, a creation myth for you already in there. You know? It's just a, it's just a ready it's a ready to play world. Yep. Um, you can play any of these adventures to take the four adventures to kick off your campaign. They're all really cool. Uh, and interesting. There's so many cool, interesting things about this. I think it really succeeds as what it was. It's what it's supposed to do, mm-hmm. um, which is you know, it's not telling you like new rules or anything. Like you know how fifth edition works, but it's just like now he's just like a basically like a campaign. It's not like a module though. It's just like you know you can make your own campaign, but like yeah. here's a world and here's everything you need to do that. And as a DM, I mean, it's such a good feeling. I feel like to have all this stuff. Um, I'm excited to play these this uh, adventure mm-hmm. for the podcast to run this adventure. Um, you know, I think this is a great book. Me personally, I'm not super interested in the world myself um, enough. I feel like to run like a whole campaign in it. Um, but I love different points of it and concepts of it. And also, there's all this stuff you can also pull into your own yeah. campaign. Like you like some factions, pull them into your uh, campaign. You like Dunamis and Dunamancy and, and Gravity Magic, pull that into your campaign or whatever. Like that's so cool. Yeah. Also, I think this is a valuable resource for someone who's perhaps looking to build a campaign setting build a yes. world like the amount of detail this has been put into here yes and like what is detail yes yes it's quite nice yes. to be able to see like okay like this is what i need to detail like for my world if i want to be like this kind of thing where it's massive 
detailed. Here's the history. Here's this area. Here's what's in this yeah, area. Yeah, I'm going to want factions. I'm going to want how races fit into this world. I'm yeah. going to want some adventures, um, a bestiary of, of new, unique monsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Um, great, great book. Good job, Matthew Mercer. Thank you for listening, Matthew Mercer. We're, I know you're know, listening. We know to you're this. out there, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is 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 just is really mm-hmm. cool. Definitely one of the, the cooler, uh, better uh, D&D uh, source books. Because, I mean, even if you don't want to play a campaign here, there's still just so much to learn from and, and to pull from. Yeah. All right. That was episode 49, our second part of the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount review. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it's been nice going through this book. There's a lot to gain from it. And, well, you've been hearing us talk about it for a long time. So, probably don't need to restate all the things we just said. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to run this adventure in here uh, and, and put that on the podcast. And, um, guys, next week is our 50th episode. It's kind of big. That's kind of crazy. We just passed our one-year anniversary, plus we're about to get our 50th episode. And it is our last class spotlight, you guys. Next week is the class spotlight on the wizard. It's our final one. And I would be very sad because it's been really fun. But... but we have a really cool idea to replace what the class spotlight, the place that it took in our in our uh, series here. We have a really cool idea of what to do instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that now that these class spots are gonna be over, we'll talk more about it as it comes along and as we yeah. figure things out. But I'm also I'm really excited for those as well. Yeah. But also just to dive into the last class. Yeah. Dive into the last one, see it through, and the future of this podcast is going to be exciting. We've got a yeah. lot of things planned. Not entirely sure which ones we're going to get out. <laughs> yeah. But we have ideas. We have things coming. New things in the works. Uh, yeah, definitely on Discord. We're doing a whole new thing mm-hmm. with Discord. Um, cool stuff Which is there. going to be out by the time this is... Well, it will be announced by the time this is released. Yes. So basically, it's just going to be a homebrew review where I'm going to be breaking down a certain piece of homebrew, whether it be like a subclass, a race, a magic item, and monster something like that uh, breaking down like it's these individual pieces what i like about it what i don't like about it and just giving advice about building a homebrew i'm doing a weekly series on that and then every month i'm gonna hold like this little survey about what you guys want to see what class you want to see and i'll break down like a homebrew class over a specific piece of homebrew a large piece of homebrew you guys want me to go through I will break that down. It'll be all out, all out on the Discord and hold discussions about it. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about this. We've been wanting to, like, spotlight other things from the community for a while and, like, other homebrew things in the community, um, which is really cool, just kind of spreading the word and getting people's work out there, stuff we find really interesting and cool. Um, and hopefully you guys can learn a bit about, like, how we treat homebrew and how we kind of, you know, how we fix things or whatever. Um, but, of course, if you guys have homebrew that you guys want to post as well or you have questions yeah. or anything... DM us on Instagram, talk about it on the Discord, whatever it is. Uh, let's have a conversation in the comment section of our YouTube channel. Um, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, anyway, so look out for Class Spotlight of Wizard next week. Um, this cool stuff on Discord. Um, and I guess that's it. Yeah, play Mystic. Don't play Mystic. Please. Please.